0: Welcome to the Information Systems for Business podcast. I'm your host, Craig Van Slyke. The main purpose of the podcast is to augment the book, Information Systems for Business and Experiential Approach by Franz Belanger, Craig Van Slyke, and Rob Crossler. The book is published by Prospect Press. Before we get started, I want to give a few disclaimers. The podcast purposely omits many details in order to get to the high points of each chapter. So listening to the podcast is not a substitute for reading the book. Each episode contains my view of the most important points of each chapter. Your professor may have a different view. The podcast is solely my responsibility, so any errors are on me, on my co-authors, your professors, Prospect Press, or my employer. Enough of the disclaimers. Let's get to the good stuff. In this episode, we provide an overview of the most important points from Chapter 6, Analyzing Information for Business Decision Making. The focusing story for Chapter 6 tells a true story from one of our co-authors, Rob Crossler. The story tells how Rob and his wife went about choosing which schools he should apply to in order to get his Ph.D. They used a sort of decision matrix, which is described in the chapter, to narrow a list of hundreds of potential programs to a manageable handful of programs that were the best fit for Rob and his family. In the course of your life, you will make literally, and I mean literally literally, not figuratively literally, tens of thousands of decisions. Some of these are trivial, but many will be important like the one described in the focusing story. So in Chapter 6, we discuss effective ways of using information to make sound decisions. After the focusing story, Chapter 6 discusses the importance of having good decision-making skills. It then describes the relationship between information and decision-making. This is followed by a section that defines and gives examples of three kinds of decisions, structured, semi-structured, and unstructured decisions. I'll define these later. Next, Chapter 6 presents two decision-making processes. The section also describes several decision-making techniques that can be applied to various decision-making tasks. The chapter wraps up by discussing some information retrieval and analysis tools. Here are the main points from Chapter 6. A decision is simply a choice among alternatives. Making good decisions requires good information, but also requires good decision-making skills, processes, and tools. Being able to make sound decisions that result in good outcomes is a critical business skill. Being an excellent decision-maker will positively impact your career, regardless of your profession. Information is necessary for good decision-making. You need information in order to understand the decision's objectives, the constraints that limit the available alternatives, and the alternatives themselves. Information is also necessary for forecasting potential outcomes from each alternative and for comparing and selecting among alternatives. In short, information is the lifeblood of effective decision-making. We can think of decisions as falling along a continuum from structured decisions, which are routine and repetitive and often have well-defined ways of dealing with them, to unstructured decisions, which are novel and do not have agreed-upon procedures for making them. Semi-structured decisions fall somewhere between these two extremes. We can combine this view of decisions with a framework that categorizes managerial activity into three categories—strategic planning, managerial control, and operational control. The combined framework gives a nice matrix of different sorts of decisions managers face. See Table 6.1 for some examples. Herbert Simon, a Nobel Prize-winning economist, among other things, developed a widely used model of decision-making that consists of four phases— Intelligence phase activities alert decision makers of the need for a change in the current state of affairs. Such changes require decision making. Design involves developing alternatives for bringing about the required change or achieving the required goals. In the choice phase, the most effective alternative is selected. And finally, the decision is carried out in the implementation phase. Table 6.2 shows some examples of information systems that can help in each of these phases. Although Simon's model is very useful, it can be helpful to consider a more detailed process that can be easier to put into practice. This process includes seven phases. First, identify and clearly define the problem. Next, determine requirements and goals. Requirements are conditions that any acceptable solution must provide. Think of these as must-haves. Goals are desirable conditions that are not strictly required. You can think of these as like-to-haves. For example, when searching for an apartment, two bathrooms might be a requirement, and an extra bedroom for guests might be a goal. Any apartment with only one bathroom is discarded from the list of alternatives, but apartments that lack the guest room will be retained for further consideration. In the next phase, you actually identify these alternatives. Then, you define the evaluation criteria. Criteria are measures of the requirements and goals. In the next phase, you select a decision-making technique or tool. Some examples are pros and cons analysis, paired comparisons, and the decision matrix. You can see the book for descriptions of these. Yeah, you're going to have to read the book. In the next phase, you evaluate the alternatives using the criteria. And then in the final phase, you want to check that your selected alternative solves the problem. Of course, you still have to implement the selected alternative, but that's not considered a decision-making phase in this model. Information retrieval tools help you gather the information you need for decision-making. Electronic spreadsheets, such as Excel or Google Sheets, are very useful information analysis tools. What-if analysis, sometimes called scenario analysis or sensitivity analysis, and goal-seek analysis are especially useful. What-if analysis involves seeing how changes in one or more input variables affect one or more outcome variables. In Goal Seek Analysis, you specify the value of an outcome variable. Then the software determines the value of a particular input variable that will produce the desired output. Data visualization tools are also helpful for analyzing data. Well, that's all for the high points of Chapter 6. You know what's coming next, don't you? Right. There's much more detail in the book, so read the book. Okay, that's it for this episode. Remember that you still need to read the chapter since the book has much more detail. Have I mentioned that yet? Fortunately, we, the co authors, worked really hard to keep the chapter short and to the point so the reading shouldn't be too bad. Talk to you next time.